Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Well, let's get started. Let's pray. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, uh, looking at three different parables. Um, But let's pause and pray first. Lord, we are grateful for once again this time and an opportunity for you to disrupt our thinking, God, to interrupt our lives in such a important way, such a good way. And I pray that you would do just that. I pray, Father, that this time would provoke us in how we think and in how we see our relationship with you and provoke us in such a way that it would push us closer, that it would help us to desire more and to be more in tune with you. I pray that you would bless those who are unable to make it here, Lord, those who are still sick, and that you would bless us who are here, Father, with understanding of the things we look at tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we are in Luke 15. Uh, Remember, the parables are trying to give us connection to what Jesus has been doing or saying. And so we kind of get a look at this in the first three verses. And it is important to remember that the parable is meant to disrupt our way of thinking. In other words, Jesus is trying to throw something at us that makes us pause and and kind of shocks us into an awareness that maybe we weren't aware of before. And so I think that these parables do that, even though they're something that we're maybe familiar with. And so I know that when we hear something and we think we know what's going on, we have a tendency to kind of tune out. But I hope that we don't do that. I hope instead we actually show up and tune in so that we can be a part of what is being said. And so let's look at verses 1 through 15. Then Jesus told them this parable. Or excuse me, one. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Again, welcoming and eating with, these are things that are um, very close, especially at this time in this culture. If you guys are used to having family dinner, right, where the family all gets together on a Sunday evening or whatever time it is, and they all sit around the table, 
It was that kind of a thing. This is family. This is something that's close. And so the Pharisees seeing Jesus with all these tax collectors and sinners, it's like you're making family with these people. And so there is the challenge that is going there. But this parable is going to disrupt even our thinking about maybe how we're seeing what's being said. Let's look at the parables themselves. Verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Then he gives another parable. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then there's a third parable of the prodigal son. And I'm not going to read through that because that is actually the longest parable that Jesus does uh, talk about even though they are all three connected and we're going to allude to that, I don't want to read all the way through it. I think most of us are familiar with that parable, and so we will definitely be talking about it. But these first two are really all about the posture and behavior and attitude of the one searching, right? How diligent, persistent the one searching is. It's a declaration of his ownership to the lost sheep or his possessiveness and persistence to the coin and the woman and the thoroughness and the joy when they are found. But remember, this is connected to all that Jesus is doing. In chapter 14, Jesus had dinner with one of the Pharisees and there was some fighting over the best seat there in the house. And we see that in chapter 14, verse 7. And at the end of this uh, discussion, Jesus says in chapter 14, verse 12, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters or relatives or the rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And that's what Jesus is doing essentially here, right? He's bringing these people who no one else would bring in. He, he's bringing those who have been discarded, have been marginalized. And we see that even later in chapter 19 with Zacchaeus. He invites himself to Zacchaeus' home. And he says, I need to have dinner with you tonight. Here is another person that no one wanted to eat with. He was a criminal in the minds of all these people. And, And so Jesus is doing exactly what he said he was going to be doing. Those who wanted to understand when he started telling them these parables and these stories, those who wanted to understand would try and find themselves in the story. 
They would try and say, who am I in this story? And the ones who really didn't want to understand, they wouldn't. Those who have ears, let them hear. Right? If you're listening, find out what this means. Find out what it means to you. And so Jesus is pushing this story to help someone find out what does this mean to you. And I don't think the tax collectors and the sinners who were sitting with Jesus and heard the story about the sheep or the story about the coins, I don't think that they saw themselves as the lost sheep. I think they saw themselves as the found sheep. I don't think they saw themselves as the lost coin, but they saw themselves as the found coin. I think they heard these things and they saw themselves as being brought in and no longer being out. I think they knew who they were in this story. But did the Pharisees, did they know who they were in this story? Because the story of the prodigal son, and you guys are probably aware of this, is really not about the prodigal son. It's about the older brother. That's what the whole point of the story. At the end of the story, with the two brothers, there is one in the house celebrating and the other who is outside who is being invited in by the father who is not celebrating. Who's the one on the inside? Well, it's the prodigal. It was the one who was lost and is found. Who's the one on the outside? It's the older brother. And so again, he's trying to help us see who are we in this story. And so maybe instead of calling these parables the one of the lost sheep or the lost coin or the lost son, maybe they actually should be the parable of the found sheep, the parable of the found coins, the parable of the found son. And then try and find out who is the one in this story that is lost. Remember Jesus said that my sheep will hear my voice. They will hear my voice and they will follow after me. Okay? The father or the sinners are there listening and hearing. Right? My sheep will hear my voice. Who were the ones there listening and hearing? It was the tax collectors. It was the sinners. They are no longer the one that was lost. They are now part of those that have been found. They are no longer the one coin that was lost. They're part of the nine that have been found. So maybe they're the ones who are being looked for. Maybe they're in this story no longer on the outside, but they are the ones on the inside. They are the ones who are being cared about. And this really echoes what we know, again, about these stories. It really is all about the one who thinks they're okay, but isn't. Right? The prodigal son, he knew where he was. It was the older son who thought he was okay and was really lost. There is still a son on the outside of the house. There is still a son who is not partaking of what the father is celebrating. It's not the prodigal. It's the older son. Here you have a situation where you have the Pharisees, the religious people. And what place are they at? 
Well, they're that of the prodigal son. Perhaps they are also that of the lost coin or the lost sheep, and they don't recognize it. I wonder how many times there are people who are in the house but don't see themselves as lost. I wonder that about myself. I wonder how many times I don't see the areas of my life that need the change, the areas of my life that I'm lost. You know, I go to church, but am I lost? You know, I, I read the Bible, but am I, I lost? I, I am lost because I'm unaware of my pride. I'm lost because I'm unaware of a self-righteousness that is there, that, that alienates me from the relationship with God I'm supposed to have. Even though I know the right things, like the prodigal son's older brother, I'm not in relationship. And you see, this these parables are really meant to shock us. When he's telling this to the Pharisees, and then he ends with the prodigal son, who is who? Who are you in the story? Are you the lost sheep that's been found? That's what the people there. Yeah, I'm, I'm now part of the fold. I hear his voice. I'm following him. I'm a part of what Jesus is doing. Which one is lost? It's not the son who went wayward. It's the one who was still there. The one who was part of, in this situation, Israel all along but didn't see that they were alienated from God. And if we don't see that that's possible for us, we can make the same mistake. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Oh, I know my Bible. But I'm on the outside of the house, and I can't celebrate what God is doing on the inside because of my pride, because I feel I'm better than, because I am thinking myself in this way and them in that way, and I find myself excluded from those things. And so I was thinking, what are the indicators or what would be some indicators that would tell me if I'm lost? It would tell me if I'm one of the ones that Jesus is talking about, if I'm one of the lost sheep, the lost coin, or the elder brother who won't go into the house. Am I the elder son? What are some things that I can do? And, and, you know, even though he hears the celebration, rather than going in and finding out what's happening, what happens in that story is he asks one of the servants, what's going on? And I think the, one of the things that's an indicator, if I'm lost or not, is if I only get information secondhand. In other words, I only hear from God if someone else tells me about it. In other words, I don't search out God's voice for myself. I need to hear it from a pastor, right? If you come to Genesis and it's just me telling you what God says, then you're hearing it secondhand. And I can do that too. I listen to podcasts. I listen to things. I read commentaries. Am I only getting things secondhand? Am I only receiving from God what I hear someone else tell me about God? Or am I praying? Or am I reading? Am I hearing 
his voice, or am I hearing someone else telling me what his voice is? You see, I think one of the indications that I'm lost is I'm asking one of his servants to tell me what's going on instead of me going into the house to find out what's going on. I don't have quite enough interest to actually go in myself. I just want someone to tell me it's a little bit easier than me showing up and having to deal with whatever's going on inside. And, And it keeps me at a safe distance. Okay, God, I believe in you, I believe in you, but I don't want you to get too personal with me because you know all my crap. You know all what's going on in me and I don't want you to ruffle my feathers, so I'm gonna keep you at bay, hear about you, agree, disagree, but I'm still outside the house. And I wonder if we do that sometimes. We want the information, can talk to people about God Tell them what they need to know about God, but it's a different thing to involve yourself with their life, to actually love them, be there for them, and care for them. See, one is I can tell you about, but the other is I'm going to be in relationship with. We can do that with God, and we can do that with people. It's more difficult to show love, spend time, and actually care than it is to just tell people that Jesus loves them. And so one is actually involved, and the other is just telling them about it. It's like, you know, you look at this door and I could tell you, okay, yeah, that door, if you open that door, you know, it's a glass door. There's a bar there that you would push. There's a lock on the door and it will lead you outside. I can describe the door. I can tell you all about what the door does, but until you go through the door, it doesn't do anything. It's just, hey, outside that door, there is this you got to go through the door to actually experience what's on the other side. How many times am I talking about the door, but I'm not walking through it? I'm talking about God. I'm saying all these things about Jesus. I have all my beliefs there, but the beliefs are still at a distance, and they're not penetrating my life. And you see, maybe I'm lost if I'm hearing things secondhand, and I'm not actually... Stepping into that. And and let me bring some clarity. When I say lost, it doesn't mean I'm going to hell. It means my relationship with God is one that is not where it should be. It's distant. I I could be that person because all the son had to do to be found was walk into the house, right? All that had to happen was for there to be a change. So I'm not saying you're lost and you're going to hell. I'm saying you're in the wrong place, And again, reading these stories, where am I? Am I in the wrong place? Am I still lost? The second indication maybe of whether I'm lost or not is that the elder son's relationship is also a lot like a business transaction. In verse 29 of the chapter, it says he answered to the father when he goes up to him and he says, what's this I hearing? The father says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, the older brother says, and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Translation, you owe me. I've done all this. What have you given me? And I wonder how many people are in a business transaction with God. We don't call it that, but that's the way we think. I can remember one time when I was working at the church and someone came in and they wanted to counsel with me and they were having problems with their girlfriend and their their job. And then they said, well, listen, I'm going to leave some money in the box and I want you to pray for me. And I got the impression like I'm going to pay some money so that God will do this for me. 
And I made sure that he knew, you know, you can give if you want to, but that has no bearing on whether God is going to do something or not. God isn't going to be motivated by your money, no matter how much you give. But you see, God, I've been praying for this job and I didn't get it. You let me down. I've wanted this, God, but it didn't happen, so now I'm disappointed, and that shows up a lot of times in him. Is our relationship with God transactional? Right? Do they deserve what I'm giving? I'm showing affection, but they're not giving it back. They're not deserving it. Is that how our relationship is with God? When the elder brother heard from the servants that his younger brother was safe and sound, he didn't care. It was comparative. He didn't rejoice in what had happened. He compared himself and he found fault in the father. And a lot of people do that with God. Do I do that with God? Do I think, well, I prayed, but God didn't answer. God let me down. I expected this. And again, we usually don't say it in those strong of words but it kind of comes across that way. It's interesting that there is a similarity between the two brothers, but there's a difference. The younger brother in verse 19 says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. In other words, make me just a slave and that would be good enough for me. So he got up and he goes to his father. That's what he rehearsed in his mind. I'd be happy to just be a slave in your house. But what did the older brother said? I've been slaving for you all these years and you haven't given me anything. Both saw themselves in slaves, but in totally different ways. One said, I'd be happy to be your slave, your servant. The other says, I've been serving you and it's not worth it. They both saw themselves in this servitude. One found it sufficient. The other found it deficient. And I wonder, what is our relationship? Is we'd be happy to be serving or it's like, it's going to cost me too much to keep serving you. And so I find a deficiency in it instead of a sufficiency in it. The third thing I see in wondering if I'm in the wrong place is there is not a joy of living in this relationship, right? The older brother was not rejoicing. He was not happy. He, he was unhappy in this relationship. If we're not congratulated or affirmed, if we're not getting the attaboys, we become angry, insecure, and doubt the relationship and whether we are loved or not. We, we, we doubt whether it's worth it or not. Joy doesn't mean happy all the time, and it doesn't mean that trouble doesn't happen. It's security in the relationship. Joy is a satisfaction in that relationship that it's there. You know, I love when my grandson Judah is home, and I'll be home, and I'll come, and I'll kneel down on the ground, and if I have my coat on, I'll open my coat up, and I'll say, come here, because I want to come give him a hug. And what happens is he, he'll start walking up to me, but then about three feet, he'll turn around and then he'll back up towards me. He kind of backs up and, and I can't see, but I can feel him smiling, even though he's backing up to me, right? He's like waiting, waiting, waiting. Then he gets close and I just surround him, right? And, and it's just like the greatest thing as he backs up. And that's it, right? We, we come in smiling, even though 
we may not be able to see him. We come in smiling because we know his embrace is still going to be there. We know he's going to hug us any time now. It's going to happen. He is there. We will fill that embrace. It is there for us. He will be there for us, and we enjoy that. Even though it's kind of coming in and not seeing it at the beginning. I heard a pastor named Michelle Jones And she talked about her mother who has Alzheimer's. And she said that her mother doesn't always remember her or her sisters or the situation that's happening at the time. But she said she always remembers her Heavenly Father. She always remembers God. She'll come into the room and she doesn't know who she is. But when they start talking, she remembers, oh, God's taking care of me. I always remember my Heavenly Father. And then... Michelle says in some ways that her mother is less lost than she is. See, she doesn't need to remember her. And what she has to do is just remember him. She doesn't need to remember me. She doesn't need to remember my sister. She doesn't need to remember the grandkids. What she really needs is to remember him, and that's what she remembers. That's what she has. That's what she holds on to. And she said that she used to pray for God to help her remember her, help her to remember her family, help her to remember all the things that she's going through or where she's at. But she's recently changed her prayer. And now what she's doing, rather than pray, Mom, don't forget about her and remember him, it's, Lord, don't forget Don't let her forget about you, even if she forgets about me. Because that's what's important, is that she remember you, even if she doesn't remember me. And instead of healing her to help her remember all these things, her prayer is that for everything that she cannot remember, replace it with her ability to remember something about you. May she remember you, And even if her mom doesn't remember her, joy can be found even if she's the most loving stranger that her mom encounters that day. She can still enjoy that relationship with her mother or whoever comes into the room. Right? She doesn't know where she's at. She doesn't know who this person is. She doesn't know what's going on. You can still be the most kind stranger that she encounters at that moment in her life. And then she realizes that really, I'm the one who's lost. I'm the one who is lost if I don't know where he is. See, I'm not lost if he knows where I am. I'm lost if I don't know where he is. And that's what's important. So we recognize, I'm not lost if I don't know where he is. And her mom, she doesn't know where she is sometimes. But she knows where he is all the time. And it was touching because she says, when I grow up, I want to be like my mom. I know where he is all the time. Even though she doesn't know where she is any of the time. 
And I think that's one of the things we're doing in these parables is finding out where is he all the time? Where am I in that relationship to him? I mean, it was very sad as she talks about she cries for her mom all the time. As she thinks about her and wonders how it would be to depend on people that you don't know. That'd be scary, right? These people are coming in and you don't recognize them and they're here to take care of you, but it's enough for her mom to know her heavenly father is there. It's enough for her and that's what she wants to be like. That way when I forget everything else, this is what I remember, that I'm found, that I'm with him, that I'm in the house, I'm celebrating with him. And that's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for all of us here at Genesis. That no matter what, no matter where we are, that we place ourselves in his care, that we place the found of the found sheep. We are the found coins. We are the sons and daughters, and in spite of where we find ourselves, we are in his care, his presence, in his house. And so I want to look at these parables, and I want to ask myself, who am I in these stories? Am I the sheep? who are part of the fold, or am I the one who's outside? Am I the coins that are there, or am I the one that is being found? Am I the brother on the inside, or am I the brother on the outside? And it can change day by day. This week, I might be on the inside, close to God. Next week, I might find myself standing on the outside. And that relationship needs to constantly develop. I mean, that's how it is in our relationships, right? We, we can go through motions and have interactions that are more transactional than relational. We can go through motions with people who we know and we're just talking, taking care of business, but we're not really engaging in life together. And we can do that with God and it can change it's not, okay, I did this and now forever I'm okay. It's like sometimes I do this and sometimes I'm okay and sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm there and sometimes I'm lost. And this is meant for those who might find themselves lost. And that includes people who are wayward, and it includes people who are like the Pharisees who think they're in the know. The sad thing is the Pharisees heard these stories and they didn't see themselves in it. They thought he's just talking about them and they didn't recognize that, no, I'm talking to you too. And we would make the same problem if we read these stories and we thought it about others and didn't see ourselves in it too. Any thoughts or questions? It's funny how our mind goes to that place, right? It's funny how our mind goes to that place.
you know, that, okay, if I'll work something out. I'll work an out arrangement with God. You know, God, I promise if you do this, I'll do that. Yeah, it kind of protects you from uh, being too judgmental. You know, it's kind of a protection from being high-minded. It's a protection from uh, seeing yourself as, you know, in and the others as out. I mean, that's kind of the problem with the older brother, right? He saw himself as, no, I should get all this, and he shouldn't because I'm doing the right things. They're doing the wrong things. You know, Stephen Hawking died uh, today. I believe it was today. And so I saw a few posts from Christians, you know, talking about, you know, well, he was atheist and this is what he believed and now. And I just thought, gosh, you know, really? On the day of his death, you're going to argue with what he said. And I just thought, that's not the right time to bring up an argument. You know, it's kind of, it reminded me of the older brother. It's like, well, we're right and he's been wrong and now he knows it. You know, it's like, really? You know, is this the proper time to bring up that? Do you really know him? Do you really know what was going on in his life and what he meant when he said these things or where his mind was in this frame? Um, I, I just think it's foolish. I think it's foolish. I think it's dangerous, you know, to, to assume those things of someone else, I think, is a dangerous thing. I think it's an elder brother kind of thing to do, um, even though it's not the same in the story, I think it's a better than, you know, kind of attitude that we need to be careful of. Otherwise, boy, we just come across as jerks. You know, I mean, why would you say that at someone's day that they die? This person's in hell. Well, thank you for having empathy and concern and sharing, you know it's one thing to have a conversation about deep things. It's another thing to post it on social media, you know, to make a blanket statement. Yeah, I, I, I there's just so much involved in those things and what people reject. Um, I know when someone says they don't believe in God, I usually ask, what God don't you believe in? And when they tell me all the things they don't believe, I say, well, I don't believe in that God either. You know, I, that's yeah, I don't believe in that God. You know, and you find out the peop- what people don't believe in is actually good that they don't believe in those things because that isn't what God. Well, yeah, it's just the the stereotypical things that have been presented that are kind of shallow that don't cover the depths of what life is about. You know, I don't believe that a God is going to send someone to hell just because they never heard of Jesus. I don't believe in that God either. You know, I, I don't believe in a God who's going to, you know, do this just because someone is, you know, this. I don't believe in that God either. Um, and then it allows me to have a deeper discussion about maybe what God is really like, what God is and why we see him in Jesus instead of these very shallow understandings of what that is. Um, then I can actually engage into why we believe Jesus is a representation of God and not just a name um, because the name isn't what we believe in, right? We called on you, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these great things in your name? I never knew you. Um, there's a lot more to it. And so I think it's important to be able to have that kind of uh, communication with people. And so when people say, oh, he didn't believe in God, well, what God didn't he believe in? Maybe you didn't believe in it either. 
And so maybe you're actually closer to the real God than you think. You just never talked to figure it out. You just threw up the walls and said, this is what I believe, this is what we don't believe. And it wasn't made clear, and it was you know, thrown up in a way as, well, I can't believe in that because that rubs against me and all these other things, so I'll not believe in that, instead of actually talking about it. Any other thoughts or questions on these parables? Well, let's pray. Father, I do like being challenged. Well, actually, I don't, but I do think it's good um, to be provoked by you and to look at these things in a way that sees myself not always in the most favorable uh, part in the story. And so I pray, Lord, that we would have ears to hear, that we would look and hear with discernment and, Father, with... uh, critical eye at ourselves more than at others. Lord, the hardest thing in my life has been to see myself clearly. Um, I tend to look at myself in a more favorable light. It's comforting to me. It makes me feel uh, better. But the truth is there are a lot of areas that need work and growth And I need to be aware of those things so that I can change. I need to be aware of my pride. I need to be aware of any self-righteousness that I have. I need to be aware of the areas where I'm impatient and have a presence about me that is off-putting. And God, if I'm not aware of those things, I will never grow past them. And so I do pray for all of us that we would allow those things to take place in our lives as we go through these parables or read your words, that we would see ourselves in a proper light and in a light that exposes and also encourages, a place that helps us to see where we are lost only so that we can come into the house and partake of all that you have for us. And we thank you that that is your intention all along, that you are not against the Pharisees, that you had always tried to reach them as you did everybody else. They just did not have ears that would hear. So give us ears that hear. Help us understand where we fit into this story, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.